Welcome back to the Power of Sports Nutrition podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you Sean Pollard. Sean is a para snowboarder and he competed in the Pyeongchang Paralympic Games and came fifth in the bank slalom and ninth in the border cross. And so good to have you with us, Sean. Yeah. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having us. Sean, can you tell us a little bit about your background, your impairment and how you got into snowboarding? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I grew up in Western Australia. So basically grew up surfing and skating pretty much Mm -hmm. my whole life. I was able-bodied up until I was 23 Mm -hmm. uh, when, yeah, I was surfing down in Esperance on the south coast of WA and yeah, unfortunately, was involved in a shark attack, so I lost my left arm and my right hand in that. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, after a bit of a recovery, I uh, I decided to give snowboarding a try. About a year a year later, there's something mm-hmm. I'd never done before. I hadn't even seen snow, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the surfing and skating transitioned over pretty quickly. So my skill level picked up pretty quick. So yeah, it was uh, it's quite the journey, and then yeah. Got to go to the Paralympics back in, in 2018 to Pyeongchang and that was kind of like, yeah, a, a massive highlight for me. So, mm. yeah, it's been um, been quite a wild ride but still here. <laughs> I think you've just underplayed the, oh, yeah, after a bit of recovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was, there any, was there any impact on your legs as well or was it all really the upper body? Yeah, so in the attack, I, yeah, I, sustained some damage to my right knee and mm-hmm. pretty much yeah I got like a chunk out of my calf on my right leg um, so that was yeah that was pretty full on I had like had like two surgeries like 50 metal staples in in my legs and then mm. yeah about 100 stitches for my arms so mm. yeah I learned to live life using like a, a split hook prosthetic yep that was yeah huge like OT effort had to learn how to do everything again, basically, start from square one. Like, yeah, um, you know, you start basically like back to when you're a toddler, like, you have to learn how to feed yourself, how to get dressed, and like mm. these sorts of things. So, but yeah, the legs as well, I had to do, yeah, quite a bit of rehab to recover those too. And so, what drew you to snowboard? Like, you're all you're from WA, there's no snow in WA. <laughs> Um, yeah. Where did that come from? Did did you see some videos or did someone talk to you about boarding or like where did that come up? Yeah, so being a surfer, like it's definitely like crossover sport. So that was pretty much my whole life. I wanted to be a surfer and, and travel and do all this the surfing, live that lifestyle, you know. And mm. so when I couldn't really do it anymore, it kind of got taken away from me. It left like a hole in my life basically and mm. I looked towards snowboarding as something new like me and a group of friends went over to Mount Buller mm-hmm. for the first time like 2015 and yeah we we all tried snowboarding for the first time and it was like a great experience we all had yeah an epic time so I kind of mm-hmm. yeah picked it up from there I was I was loving it and it was like Mount Buller 50 centimeter base like hardly any snow but I, was, <laughs> I thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah you don't you did at that point in time you didn't know what good snow was relative to yeah. rock hopping and and uh, just getting yeah, around. Exactly, <laughs> I set the bar low, so only went up from there. Uh, awesome. And so, talk to us a little bit more about the prosthetic that you have. So, it's your left arm that 
you're missing a component yep. of and so it hooks over onto that and then it, it sort of comes across the back of your shoulder correct yeah yeah so yes yeah, so i'm above elbow on my left arm mm-hmm. and then below elbow amputee on my right arm so on my left arm i don't wear anything for the most part but for my right arm yeah i wear a, a split hook prosthetic which yeah it's like a socket which you put your put my forearm into and then the hook is attached to a cable which runs up to my left shoulder mm-hmm. and uh, it works a little bit like a bike brake when you know when you pull on a bike brake and that that cable in the, in the wire goes down and clamps onto your onto your bike tire mm-hmm. it's it's really similar to that um, yep. just a little bit bit different so yeah it basically it, it's like a really old design it was designed before World War one wow but it's so simple and fast. I, mm. I can like get by for my day to day stuff. So I use it for pretty much everything. Um, mm-hmm. As well, uh, like electronic hand, sorry. Yep. And um, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. It's like top of the range, like the fastest, strongest hand on the market. But it's not quite there with the technology, like to control it yet. So there's a bit of a, a breakdown from what I want it to do to what it actually does. So yeah. It doesn't work that well, so I usually just use a hook for everything because it works in. Yep, yep. And so when you're snowboarding, what's your classification? Yeah, so I'm in the upper limb category. So in Paris snowboard, there's only three categories. So you've got, yeah, uh, two lower limb categories and then upper limb, everyone with upper limb disability just gets thrown into the, into the one category. Yep. And does the impact that the attack had on your legs impact you on the board uh a little bit like it's not enough to um to really like the side of my foot's numb mm-hmm. because the, i had nerve damage yeah. um and then like yeah i had knee surgery as well so like my patella tendon got repaired and that sort of thing so it's more like an injury rather than a disability i'd say mm-hmm. but yeah my my right leg's about 80 percent to what my left leg is right Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us a little bit about your training? What sort of training? So, you took a little bit of time off after Pyeongchang. You had a, yeah. a family, and now you're in the process of coming back into the scene and aiming for obviously qualifying for 2026. So, what does, yeah. a, and I know you're about to head overseas for the next season, but what would a typical yeah. training week look like at home? for you yeah so at home i'm in the gym most days uh we'll go like first thing and then um yeah basically we'll do a fair bit of skateboarding as well um Mm -hmm. so yeah usually gym skateboard they've built a few pump tracks around my hometown like pretty recently Mm -hmm. so i actually hit them up a fair bit because it's really similar movements to like a bank slalom so Mm -hmm. yeah basically generating speed when you're pumping and then riding yep. the berms to uh, to make the fastest line pretty much. Cool. And so obviously when you're on hill it's a little bit a little bit different. At home you're also dad to a, a youngster. Yeah. <laughs> and so that occupies some of your time as well. How do you yeah. find balancing sort of the the dad duties with your training? Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty tricky because you know they have their own their own agenda. They basically 
uh, at the mercy of the of the toddler at some times. But I'm pretty good. Like we've got a, I've got a really supportive wife, Claire. She um, yeah, she she's really great. I'll I'll go to the gym first thing, and she'll get Myler up and get started, and then mm-hmm. yeah, usually I'll look after a bit throughout the day, and then yeah, daycare a couple of days a week as well, which I can really like get a, a bit longer block in at the gym and stuff like that. Mm. I I can imagine Milo's going to be a skateboarder soon. Yeah, yeah, I've got her one of those little um little new little skateboard with a handle, so like she can hold it. Yep. And then like can push her along as well. <laughs> cool. So, how do you fit your nutrition in around your training? What are the, what are some of the key focuses that you have in your nutrition? I've only just really started getting on top of my nutrition stuff probably the last two years. Like before that, I was pretty. I was pretty relaxed with it. I would kind of just eat what I felt like. But, yeah, recently it's really been taken up a notch. So I pretty much live off up and goes. When I, <laughs> and for, like for the as, uh, non-Australians, what's an up and go? Uh, so up and go is like a protein, I guess you'd call it like a milkshake in a little box, mm-hmm. like a, in a juice box basically. And, um, yeah, it's got two wheat mix in it and a heap of protein stuff and wheat mix. I'm sure people are familiar with wheat mix, but um, yeah, it's just so easy because with my disability as well, preparing foods a little bit, a little bit trickier. Yeah. So if I can have like a fast snack like that, so it's it's super easy for me to get down and a bit more accessible kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, up and goes, and then trying to trying to eat a bit more at meals and stuff like that has has definitely been part of my routine lately. Yep. And do you do a lot of the food prep when you're at home? Uh, yeah, I'll cook a lot of lunches. That's one change I've kind of made as well is I'll cook at home for lunch rather than just eating a sandwich or something. Yep. Um, so I've actually been like eating like steak and potatoes for lunch. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, like bacon and eggs as well is, is another one which I'll cook at home. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, dinners, Claire and I kind of share that duty. So I'll cook a couple of times a week. We don't usually have too much leftovers. We, we usually cook fresh meal each, each night. Mm, sounds like you're well organised. And then what are some of your biggest challenges that you see from a nutrition perspective for you? Yeah, for me, it, it's a little bit of the access thing. Like with the split hook prosthetic, it, it is quite tricky, like just preparing food, like cutting food up and stuff. So sometimes like I have to put a lot of effort in to, to prepare the food so sometimes I can can get a little bit lazy rather than, than make a proper meal yeah. um, which is something yeah which I used to do a fair bit like instead of having proper lunch I'll just like eat an apple or a, or a carrot and have an up and go that sort of thing mm-hmm. and like that would be my lunch whereas now I'm taking the time and putting the effort in to, to eat a proper meal so yeah that's one of the big challenges I guess with my disability just preparing the food and then yeah, having a having a toddler as well, we've got to prepare food for them too. So that's um, that's a bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah, is she a bit of a fussy eater, or is she pretty good at this stage? Ah, uh, she loves chicken nuggets. A bit ashamed to say, but she has it for dinner a fair bit. <laughs> oh dear! Hopefully, over time, we can get some veggies in with that chicken nuggets. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tomato and what sauce. about? Yeah. What about when you travel? Do you find it even more challenging from a nutrition perspective because you 
are on the road and you're having to, you're kind of in unfamiliar environments where perhaps some of the utensils are even harder to use? Or how do you find traveling with keeping up with your nutrition needs? Yeah, a, a little bit of that. Like I have to adapt to each, I guess, utensil drawer. But yeah, I kind of make it work. I actually travel with my own knife because mm. having a, a really sharp knife is really important. So yep. because I can't really hold the food, if you have a sharp knife, it makes it a lot easier to cut. So yep. I, yeah, I travel with like a little pocket knife, um, which is like, yeah, razor sharp. So that mm-hmm. that's, yeah, really helpful. Traveling as well, like it depends where you go to as well for access for food. It's pretty easy sometimes, you know, if you've got board as well where you're, where you're uh, staying at a hotel, so they've got breakfast and lunch and stuff served. Mm-hmm. Like some, some events will put that on, which which is, yeah, super, super easy, but some events it's not. So mm. just depends, I guess. Yep. And so you said that you've kind of focused more on your nutrition over the last couple of years. Was there a particular reason for that or have you noticed what difference that makes for you? Yeah, I think just maturing a bit. Like I'm a little bit older now, so I guess I um taking it a lot more serious and, and realizing, you know, if you if you add this in, you know, you do get a bit extra out of your training and everything else. Because I guess my background, you know, I'm a tradesman back before all this happened. So my diet used to be pretty bad. Like I'd be eating, you know, yeah, servo food and macas for lunch and, you know, get an iced coffee in the morning and, and that was my breakfast kind of thing. So yep. it's yeah, it's been a bit of a learning curve. Mm. And and what benefits do you find that you're getting from that? Can you kind of talk about some of the things that you've noticed? Yeah, definitely. Just like your recovery, your body recovers quicker. Um, mm. You're feeling more energised. You can train harder for longer if you have that right nutrition, which I kind of didn't really think about before. And, yeah, definitely been noticing that. Mm. Just like recovery has been great. And, and yeah, I guess what you wanted to feel your best, basically. Yeah, cool. So, in terms of how you went from a first trip on snow ever to being on the Paralympic team, what was your pathway for that? Like, if there was another athlete who was potentially looking at snowboard, how, how did you get into that? Yeah, so. After that first trip to Victoria, me and my, one of my friends from there went to Canada. And so I did a month-long trip in Canada. And, yeah, just, you know, got, got the hang of it and mm-hmm. improved a fair bit. And while I was over there, it was pretty random, but I actually bumped into the Canadian Paris snowboard coach at the time. Oh. Um, it was, yeah, Mark Fawcett, like one of the – biggest snowboard legends and I, I had no idea who he was and he came up to me yeah he introduced himself and and he told me all about the sport basically um, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't really know I um I didn't know there was a sport uh, I hadn't hadn't looked into it like it was just a bit of fun for me yep and then yeah when I got back home to Australia after that trip I reached out and uh and then yeah Annie at Snow Australia reached out to me yeah got us on board for like one of the talent tryout days so it's uh it's called Futures, mm-hmm. uh, which they do in Perisher each year. So yeah, travelled over from WA for that. It was like a two day thing, and then um, yeah, got a few pointers from the snowboard coach. He basically told us like you know what what we have to do to get 
onto the team and and like what the what the process is, which is yeah, you have to get classified mm-hmm. as a national athlete and then you have to get classified as an international athlete and then you have to go on to like a Europa Cup and then the if you get the points for that you go on to the World Cup. So mm. yeah, it was all um it was all pretty new and uh yeah I had to I had to work pretty hard to I guess get into a position where I could go away and and a bit of fundraising and, and that sort of thing mm. had to yeah I guess put a fair bit of my own cash into the start of it mm-hmm. uh so yeah raised raised a bit of money and then yeah traveled traveled over to Europe for the first northern hemisphere season mm-hmm. and uh basically yeah did pretty well in I guess my first few events and, and managed to get onto the World Cup straight away. And yeah, from there, haven't really looked back. Like I, I dedicated two years to go to the, the Paralympics in in Pyeongchang, and that was like my big goal. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty sick. Sick yeah. couple of years. Wow! And how lucky were you to to have the right person at the right time just kind of come up and have a chat with you, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was super random. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and uh, he loves telling that story as well because he was on the tour for for a while after that coaching. So yeah, I found him in the in this um, resort at the back of Canada, and here he is. <laughs> Do you think that over that time, like your the time that you've had off and now coming back, do you think that the sport itself is grown in terms of its depth particularly in your category or what do you see sort of changing over that time yeah it's definitely got in a lot better the level of riders so when I come on board the upper limb category had just got included in the South Korea was the first games that had upper limb Mm -hmm. so yeah from there the guys just improved so much it's it's pretty insane uh, the level it's at right now like riding basically able-bodied courses after they've finished their World Cup races. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty sick. And so does that mean and, that you've got to challenge yourself more and more in terms of making whatever changes you need to make to keep up with it? Yeah, I definitely have to make a few changes where, like, the, le- the level's really high now. So I, I guess I'm still just, like, coming back into it. So. Mm. I had a race last season, which I, I did pretty well in. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what how we go this season and, and just kind of see where, where I'm at in the mix with the yep. field. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the the level has gone up a lot. Everyone's, yeah, really professional and all the teams have been around for a bit longer and, and got everything dialed a bit a bit, a bit better. So. Mm-hmm. And in terms, the Oz team's one of the best for sure. Oh yeah, it it punches above its weight for sure. <laughs> yeah. What about what coaches about that you've had interactions with? Have you? What recommendations, well, I guess, do you have to coaches who maybe haven't really coached a para athlete yet, but may spot someone on the hill, for example, like you got spotted, and maybe wants to think about how they go about coaching. What recommendations do you have for for coaches who may want to get involved in coaching para athletes? Yeah, I I don't think there's any like just out and out advice you could give. Everyone's so different, and everyone's disability is a little bit different, you know. So there's nothing you can really like do to blanket and cover everything. I I guess one thing would be 
to be open-minded and I guess you'd be surprised just how capable people with a disability are and, and what people can achieve. And you, you just have that have to have that open mind about it. Like you can't shut off any possibilities because you think, oh, they, they haven't got a leg, they're not going to be able to do this. You know, mm. if, if they don't try, you're never going to find out. So you just have to have that open mind. Yep. Yeah, and for you, for example, you don't have two arms to push out of the gate or to actually to pull out of the gate rather than to push out of the gate. And so yep. you have to modify the way you go about starting, which has that been something that you've had to, to kind of work with coaches on how how that technique looks and, and how you go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something I worked on a lot. Tried different prosthetics, different different techniques, different this, different that. And um yeah, the technique that kind of worked the best was if I could I jump, have my board sideways and I kind of jump out the gate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's probably one of the, the bigger challenges for me as well is, yeah, just that start um, pulling out of the gate. Obviously, I'm versing guys who are just missing one hand so they can, like, got both use of both their arms. So mm. it's a little bit of disadvantage for me. But, yeah, my technique, it's definitely evened things up a bit. It kind of, yeah, something that I had to work on and mm. work with different coaches and still try different stuff every now and then to see if it'll work. But the technique I've got now works pretty well. So, yep. yeah, good to go with that. Mm-hmm. And you've worked with a range of different practitioners, you know, occupational therapy and physio and strength and conditioning yep. and things like that. How do you go about building that relationship and having them understand what you can do and, and where you need help? You know, do you drive a lot of that yourself? Um, I'm pretty easy going with it. Like, yeah, I guess thinking like strength and conditioning wise, you kind of have to do a bit of trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, with with the other stuff as well. I think, I think, yeah, the trial and error kind of thing is is important. Like, you don't don't really know how things are going to work unless you try it. So, yeah, you kind of just got to guess be brave enough to put put yourself out there and try different things and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, eventually working with people, you build relationships and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, yeah, again, like the open-mindedness comes into it. You have to, I guess, just look at things with a little bit of open mind and, yep. yeah, things things can work out. Cool. Well, Sean, I think you've got a great little project that you're working towards for the next couple of years and certainly putting in some, some hard yards to keep up with the rest of the the teams and, and athletes that have come into the sport in your little hiatus. Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most for this year? Probably getting in some good training and getting back on board and and, and really uh really try and yeah get get the uh get the feel for it back and mm. getting out there. Going fast. <laughs> Sending it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Cool. One final question before we let you go. What's your favourite food? Uh, like a meal or just like a, a fruit or something? Anything that comes directly to mind and it doesn't have to be healthy. <laughs> My favourite fruit's mango. Yeah. Love mangoes. And then favourite meal, uh, I'm, a, I'm a steak and potatoes, man. Can't uh-huh. really go past that. Uh-huh. How do you like your steak? Medium. Uh-huh. Cool. Awesome. 
Wow. Thanks, Sean, for your time. I'll let you get on with the, the rest of your day. But, yeah, we really look forward to seeing how this year pans out for you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having us on here. Pleasure. Hopefully those who are listening carefully could see how Sean is maturing as an athlete as he goes. The fact that he's come back to his sport means that he's even more serious than ever and is doing everything that he can to make sure that he's successful. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you will share it with your social media. 